Moo moo, you big cows. What's up? Welcome to Respawn Game Fire, the kick-ass irreverent gaming podcast barf episode. What does barf stand for? It's vomit, but it's also a backlog accomplishment with Respawn and friends. And that is our weekly, monthly, just kidding, it's monthly game that you ask us to play over on patreon.com slash Fire, and we play it, we come back to you and tell you all about it. Uh, hi, I'm one of your co-hosts, Chad. Throw that little piece of plastic on the carpet and vacuum it up later, Ennis. We've got our regular co-host here, Adam. Pretend to flick a little piece of plastic towards the screen, Gumbert. I throw an actual piece of plastic towards the screen. Whoa. Rude. Ooh. And down on the bottom of the screen, we've got here our Rav regular, Alex. Look at that bookshelf full of plastic that's in the background, not being thrown. Cozina, how are you? I like it when we do these three people barf episodes because you get to see a much wider view of my basement. And I got to say, looks pretty nice. Looks pretty nice. Yeah. I feel like I myself don't appreciate how nice my basement looks. Humble brag. Yeah, right? Jeez. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm so humble. The game we played this month was the Dark Pictures Anthology. Little Pope, no hope. Everyone's broke. Hope. <laughs> That's what we played. Little Hope is the name of the game. This is a game that comes from Supermassive Games, who you might know kind of came to, to fame with their Until Dawn game that they made, starring Hayden Panettiere, and you could kill her. It also had Rami Malek in it. He, you could not kill him. He was the bad guy. Spoilers. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> they made this game. It was like a teen slasher film. It was playable. Quick time events. People, it was accessible. People were like, oh my god, I love this so much. And so they're like, cool, we're going to make a bunch of them, but make them shorter. And there's going to be a bunch of different like types of experiences, different settings, different characters every time. But they're all going to be tied together through this theme of this anthology and this um, this one character who's telling you stories uh, in a book warehouse. What is a book? A library or a, a study? <laughs> a book warehouse. A study? <laughs> book warehouse, you know. So Little Pope No Hope <laughs> is number two in this anthology, following up their first one, uh, Man of Medan. There was a, this was number two, comes out in 2020. The idea was they were going to re release them every six months for eight installments. They missed those targets a little bit, and they ended up doing four installments instead. Um, but it is uh, they made some improvements from the original. Came out on a bunch of different systems, PlayStation, Xbox, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They had new versions coming out on all the updated systems as well, including Nintendo Switch. And uh, they made some improvements from the first one. No tank controls this time. A little bit different controls, mechanisms, easier to achieve, quick time events, all that kind of fun stuff. And the game focuses around a cast of characters in three separate timelines that we follow throughout the thing. Um, and is is mostly set in the uh, around the idea of these this witch trial, the Salem witch trials, Massachusetts, et cetera. And the, the town itself, Little Pope No Hope, is actually not a real place, but it is in Massachusetts and very much serves as that setting. The game reviewed kind of mid, honestly. It has a, the highest of its platforms was PC at 73, the lowest being Xbox One at 65. Uh, those are, of course, the, the launch platforms. It does not include any of the new stuff. And uh, people were saying that it's basically Man of Medan and all the same problems they had with Man of Medan. It wasn't uh, really that difficult. It was harder to fail. Um, but it was it, they called it an odd, anemic thriller, says Lucy Bryan over at IGN. 
but it did pretty well. The digital download version was number four, the fourth most downloaded game its debuted week and ranked ninth in terms of physical sales as well. And of course, spawned two sequels, House of Ashes. Well, since we're going with The Little Pope, No Hope, we're going to say House of Asses. And uh, whatever the next one was that I never played and forgot about all the it's time. It's Devil in Me. I think you devil, just leave it like that. Yeah, Devil in Me. Except you changed Devil devil to, I don't know. Oh, let me double. Yeah, The Devil in Me. The so Devil. Just, okay, The Dildo in Me. That's what we'll call it. Ooh, that's a good one. I yeah, like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the game. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, no, so we all played it. And in fact, this is a unique episode of Barf where we actually played this all together in one sitting in a very unique way. Um, so the game has two different multiplayer type modes. You can sit on the couch and you can pass the controller back and forth and it will say, all right, player two, whoever's controlling mature student, you get to play now. And you just pass the controller and everybody watches. And then there's another type if, of if multiplayer. If you're wondering, <laughs> if you're wondering why Chad just said mature student, we will explain. We will explain yes. in due time. There's so I many do, fucking inside jokes from this. It's in so the stupid. background, in the screenshots of the visual version, there is a screenshot of her introduction that says mature student on it. So <laughs> does it really? Yeah, it does. Uh, she's wow. aged 48, by the way, she looks much older. Um, anyway, so yeah, th there's that one type, but then there's this unique other type of multiplayer that I've really only ever seen in gears five as well. But obviously this one pioneered it, uh, before gears five came out, but it's one where you play online with another person and there's two of you. And there are some moments where you are playing concurrently, different parts of the game concurrently that are happening. Maybe some person controls two characters over here that are exploring the woods. Another person controls two or three characters over here exploring a school or a doctor's office or whatever the fuck. Or apparently Cozy said there was a guy with a bike and he like runs down a hill and falls and gets dirty. And then you come back together and you have no idea what the other person was doing the whole time. And there's this sense of mystery to it. We opted for the second one because we live in various parts of the world. And uh, because there are three of us, we actually did this unique thing with PlayStation SharePlay. So Adam was able to, we were able to, he was first of all able to view our screens remotely due to SharePlay. So we can just share what we're seeing uh, with each other. But then we would trade off occasionally. So Adam would take over for me. There's an option of SharePlay to actually trade the controller off to that per first person. So he was basically remote playing from his controller to my PlayStation, and we would switch off. He would do that with Alex every once in a while, with me every once in a while. So it was a really un interesting, unique way to play this game and experience it. I'm going to stop talking now, and I'm going to go to Adam and um, just ask you, what are your kind of general thoughts on the experience the experience that we had together with Little Pope No Hope? It was interesting. I So I played Until Dawn, um, and I think that's the only one I've played. Because I didn't play any of the other Dark Pictures ones. I haven't played The Quarry yet. The Quarry? So yeah, this is my second one. Um, and it was all right. It definitely feels like a game that's a lower budget than they made it a year. Yeah. Um, but the story was fun. Uh, the, you know, the moments of gameplay, it's like, oh, we've got to hurry up and press these buttons. So many missed button prompts. <laughs> Not that many. A couple here and there. Um but no, it, it, I liked it. I liked the story. I really like Will Poulter, of course. Um, the idea of it's cool. The actual game is like, fine, it's okay. I feel like the sixes and sevens, yeah, it feels right. Because it's a lot of, let's walk down the road in in the fog. That's like the first half of the game. And then the monsters <laughs> yeah. show up. And then you got to run from the monsters. And then there's a really cool twist at the end. 
but the rest of the game was very much like it's fine it's fun it's fun enough it's fun for one night to do that thing so it was cool there's a lot of like i said funny inside jokes that i'm ready to talk about <laughs> sure like it real dumb but um <laughs> Yes, I think it was an interesting game. I think the twist really makes up for a lot of what the game is, because if that twist ending didn't happen, I'd be like, so what exactly are we doing here? I think it kind of makes it work. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll pass it on. But I will just say, there is no way to know what that accent was. They, it clearly wasn't English. <laughs> Couldn't even tell what they were saying. Had no idea. I don't understand the words. It must have been another language, a foreign Mary. language. How we... What is that? Is that bathroom? Are you, just, are you just talking about the fucking book warehouse? <laughs> yeah. How could we possibly know these people with these colonial accents wearing colonial garb during witch trials? What are we possibly seeing in the past? We don't understand. <laughs> Alex, what are your thoughts? Top level. Yeah, I'm actually kind of in agreement. You know, as you mentioned at the top, these games have not received glowing reviews, and I can definitely see why. I know that a lot of people feel like supermassive games have kind of stretched themselves a little bit thin trying to do so many of these dark picture anthology games instead of committing to, you know, one or two really meaty, really well-polished uh, games of this nature. That being said, playing through it, especially in the environment in which I played through it alongside you guys doing the remote play, share play stuff, this was an enjoyable time. Uh, so much so that reflecting back on the experience, I was like, you know what? I feel like when it comes to like, this is a bit of a tangent, but stick with me on this. In the kind of like Metroidvania community, there are a lot of people that look back on the Castlevania games that we got in the Game Boy Advance and the DS and are like, man, we were really eating good back in those days. We were getting a new Castlevania game, a new Metroidvania Castlevania game, like every single year then. And then they just all dried up. And after completing the game, I was like, man, there must be people out there that really enjoy this like kind of like shared experience horror game that must just must just be like over the moon right now that they're getting so many of them in quick succession. And like the, the thing that we discovered over the course of our playthrough doing a little bit of internet sleuthing is apparently this is like the worst rated of the Dark Pictures games. And reflecting back on it, it's like, wow, if this is the worst of them, like pretty good on supermassive for being as talented as it what as it is because like this is on again not that bad all things considered um at the same time i don't know if this game will ever go down as like one of my favorite horror game experiences let alone favorite gaming experiences in general but yeah had fun with this yeah i'm in the same boat as y'all like it was a good time and i think that we played it the right way i don't think this is a game that would be fun to play single player going through it by yourself and experience all this by yourself and all these choices. Like, I, I don't see this as a good time that way. And I've always been a proponent of these types of games, but playing them with friends, playing with somebody sitting on the couch. Even like when I played through Until Dawn, I played it with my roommate who very, very rarely ever touched a gaming controller. And so even watching her be like, it says mash X on the screen. She's like, I don't know which one's the X button. Like that kind of shit is, is there's that tension there. Or even in this one where I'm playing it with y'all and I can see, oh, somebody's life is on the line, but I don't have control over it. And I just have the anxiety of like, is Adam going to hit that button? Is Adam going to, is Cozy going to kill this fucking woman? I don't know. I don't know. And so there's like that, like I don't have full control over it. And it's just exciting for me to take that in and watch it from afar. Uh, while at the same time being, of course, responsible for our characters' lives to you all as well. Let the record show, I never killed anybody in this game. Although we did lose several people. 
I was not responsible for any of it. So, uh, but yeah, I had a fun time with it. Again, like you said, Cozy, like if this is the worst of them, I, I, I have played Until Dawn. I have played The Quarry. I have played Man of Medan. And again, I had enjoyable experiences with all of those. So I'm very much looking forward to one day playing House of Ashes and Dildo in me. And um, so, yeah, had a, had a pretty good time. Um, before, Cozy, when did you want to do your like actor thing? Did you want to do that before we talk about like narrative or afterwards? You can do it whenever you want to do it. I was thinking more towards the end of the podcast okay. as like our way of closing it out. It's like the salad at the end of the meal. You know, you need a little bit of education to kind of sweep up the nonsense that preceded it. Yeah. You eat salads at the end of your meal? My parents like to make a lot of salads, like to the point that I've made fun <laughs> of them for it. It's like, certainly there are other ways for us to get vegetables in our diets. These I mean, days. I love a good salad. I don't eat it after have my steak. appetizer salad, and then we have steak, yeah. and then we have dessert the side salad. salad, and then we have this regular salad with cherries on it, and then we have dessert salad with mm. chocolate sauce, and, and then you have the salad at the end Ooh. to kind of cleanse your palate. <laughs> okay. Um... Adam, you mentioned the twist at the end. You want to kind of like talk about your feelings on the narrative and 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 how that twist surprised or made it a better experience for you? Yeah, so I will say I've looked into the multiple endings. I believe there's like about four or five like distinct endings. We got the arrest ending. Um, good thing we didn't find the gun, guys. I'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> that leads, oh, no. uh, I looked into that, that too. That can lead to one of the bad ones. Uh, so, game starts, cold open. Will Poulter is hanging out in the seventies with these uh these random these characters who don't wake up even though a fire's two feet away from them. Right. Dad is fucking dead. So dead. drunk apparently. Um and every they make fun of this little girl and then everyone in the house dies. And Will Poulter, we don't know what happens to him, but everyone's super dead. Um and then flash forward, man on a bus, bus crashes, they're in the town of Little Hope. All of those characters we just saw die are now here with us as different people. It's like, oh, mature student was our mom before. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, our brother is dating our sister in this universe or whatever. It was weird. It's weird. At but the time, like, I remember that... thinking like, oh, so I guess that intro chapter was really just a, you know, it's, it's throwaway characters just to introduce us to the mechanics of the game and the idea that like these people's lives are in your hands. Yeah. It turned mm -hmm. out to be more. Yeah, but those, they're all the exact same characters. Go through the town of Little Hope. Uh, every time a ghost grabs you, you go to the past and you see witch trial stuff with the same characters. Or it's like, oh, Will Poulter, you've got a, an accent we can't determine, <laughs> but you're here in the past now doing stuff. All that to say, you get near the end of the game. Turns out all of this is just in Will Poulter's head. He was actually the bus driver um, where he was a part of that fire. And in initially that was a real thing. And after that, I guess he was just maybe people blamed him for it, whatever. He's been a, like a loner ever since. And I guess the game is kind of like he's dealing with grief or whatever, um, that kind of a thing. And then your ending is we got the arrest ending because apparently if you're mean to Vince, because Vince was the boyfriend of your sister before the house fire and everyone died. So if you're mean to Vince, he's just like in the real town, like, Hey, this guy's walking around being crazy. Can someone please arrest this man? And we got arrested. So that's what happened to us. Um, but yeah, so the whole thing was in Will Poulter's head. Um, all these people have been dead. He didn't go to the past. He didn't go to the future. But the main crux of that I like about this idea is for you to like get the quote unquote good ending, you're supposed to like face your demons or whatever. Um, so each character is supposed to like fight your monster by yourself. I think we kept asking for help. Uh, and that just means you're dead immediately. So 
we ended up with the mature student and just Will Poulter <laughs> at the end. I love he turns around and no one's there and it's just old man Will Poulter. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, none of this ever happened. So that oh, was no, a cool ending. Mature student. Where'd she go? She's been dead for yeah. 30 years. Bitch died of smoke inhalation, suffocated, died in a fire. <laughs> yeah. No witch stuff. You think the little girl's possessed yeah. or something? Nope. Just Will Poulter. Just had a bad stroke of luck. A really bad stroke. Think about it. If we were in a house fire and your family died in the ways that they do in this game, and just of natural car- of causes, it's like... I would be fucked up too. To be yeah. honest, the, the, the yeah. scarf one was the one where it's like this is like somebody is out to get this family. Getting I think impaled this is <laughs> on a fence post from ten feet up seems impossible, but yeah. it happened to his brother. <laughs> the ending wild. of the latest Fast and the Furious movie is the revelation that it was actually what's his face who killed them all. Like you thought, oh, they died of their own mistakes, but it was actually <laughs> it was always Jason Momoa. Fuck, yeah, not Jason Momoa. What's his name? Deckard Shaw. Oh, Jason uh, Statham? Actor. Yeah, exactly. Statham. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the twist of it. And and even though probably about halfway through the game, I feel like we started to figure out like, oh, all these people in this timeline are dying in the same way that the fan, they did, their, their actor had died in the opening chapter. And in the same way that it seems like their current character in the witch trials had died too. Like for instance, you talk about the scarf, like Tanya falls off the roof and gets hanged on her scarf in the opening chapter. She gets hanged as a witch in the past. And then that demon with, you know, is coming back to try to hang her again in the, in the, the current day as well. And so like we figured that out, but I still didn't see that coming that it was like that twist of, Oh, these are all just him dealing with demons internally and, and all of that shit. So like, I was I was very much surprised that they kept that close to their chest or fooled me at least as long as they mm-hmm. did. How did you guys feel overall about the like old ass colonial witch trial period of time? Because I will say like that stuff was definitely for me the weakest part of the experience. Uh, there were a lot of funny moments like the characters being like, what are these characters saying? Because they apparently can't understand 1960s American English. But overall like i just kind of walked away from it being like yeah i think this is why this game isn't up there with some of the other dark pictures anthology games because i think this content is not that compelling as much as it is fun to figure out the kind of like meta narrative of oh these characters are all dying in the same way that their past incarnations died yeah i would agree with you that was probably the weakest part the the witch stuff it was also really tough for me because i guess everything's lit by candlelight back then there's like it was tough for me Mm. to keep track of the characters honestly yeah that too (laughs) they all look the same they're all these white people in in colonial times and candlelight and it's like which one's which was that guy the priest is he controlling so so yeah i was i was least enthralled or enraptured by the witch trial stuff they definitely try to use it as the jump scare thing because it's like every time it's like we got to show you colonial yeah. times. Here comes the creepy ghost to grab you, and it got me the first time. And after that, it's like, oh, okay, we're about to do a flashback. Here comes a fucking weirdo yeah. to grab us real quick. Yeah, they they also never like explain mechanically like how or why they're traveling back in time. Like at least in something like Silent Hill, like they explain that well, you're always going to the hell dimension with whenever the fog appears or something like at least in that game like there's like a mechanic to how and why you're going to a different location here it just kind of felt like whenever the game felt like time traveling them 
Well, you can break it down to it was all a dream, so they can do whatever they want at any point <laughs> right. in time. Which also, you know, doesn't help things either. But anyways. Especially when it, you're doing a thing not with Will Poulter, it's like, how would he know what's going on here? Uh, that's, I mean, the game itself, that's that's all I got to say. It was a four-hour game, which I really appreciate, which makes it really easy to sit oh, yeah. down with friends on a spooky night and all play in one sitting like we did. But, um yeah, I, I don't really have much else to say about it. I have thoughts from uh, other people. Okay. Oh. That I can read off to you. So, our good buddy Jacob McCourt mm -hmm. was on a hey. podcast. Not Court Lamont. Yeah. No, different court, different Canadian court. Yep. Uh, now, he did a podcast with um, at the uh, greatest story ever played, which is where I had heard about this game before because he had played it on that with uh, Dan. And I asked him, hey, what was y'all's thoughts? Like, mature student is on the screen. Sorry, mature student is on the screen. I report. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Be aware. This old woman. Um, and they just had a couple of their quick thoughts. Um, Jacob and Dan both agreed that it's their upper half of the Dark Pictures games. Mm, and okay. they rank it like House of Ashes and then uh, Little Little Pope is basically how they feel about it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just asked, like, what's your basis? Of? But they're like, they do not compare to the quarry or... Uh, until dawn of course but they're like no that's right. one of the ones that they actually enjoyed because they uh i know cozy you brought up the metacritic and stuff for it before because they were talking about uh the devil in me and they were like Ooh, this one is bad so uh, i think we got lucky playing one of the better of the dark pictures I, I mean i will say i do remember have not played the devil in me i do know that that game uh in terms of like from a technical perspective had a lot of issues at launch this game, like, not that bad from a technical perspective. There were some weird moments of, like, characters, like, floating and, like, not animating correctly. For the most part, like, pretty technically sound. Yeah. Which is good. And actually, that's a, you, you had mentioned, like, the floating and things like that. And something that's not really a technical bug, but, like, I was impressed by until one time when it didn't work, is uh, the fact that you're doing two separate things at For two sure. separate times. But it takes... Like, they did a really good job at estimating how long it would take you to do these things and make these decisions. So, like, we're over here trying to barricade ourselves in this church so that Vince can't come in and talking to him and making decisions while you're over doing, I don't know, whatever the hell you were doing, Cozy, at the same time. And then, like, our things wrap up at the same time so we're ready to come back together and, and continue as a single cohort. And, like, that was, that I was really say, impressive. There was only one issue we had, Chad. It was the funniest fucking thing ever. When you're in the museum... And you peel back the oh, yeah. the poster. <laughs> and we had done... Because you go through the museum twice for some reason. I don't really understand why they do that in the game. First time you went through, you pulled it and there was something behind the poster. <laughs> then the second time we went through, we peeled back the poster to reveal the same poster. Yeah. <laughs> died. It was so funny. Was, I was like, Like that okay. meme where the guy takes off the sunglasses and there's sunglasses underneath. There's more sunglasses on. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, hold on. I'm like, that was funny. That one got me. I died. Uh, yeah. But outside of that, yeah, everything was shockingly pretty especially again from doing remote play and share play and all that stuff yeah like, I don't and know, for a game with a lot of quick time events fun. i feel like you were pretty successful in doing them yeah, yeah via remote play not too bad all right cozy take us into your game your character actor etc whatever it is called voice actor trivia i know not a particularly original name but this is uh my brief cozy led segment in which i'll be taking you through the other works that the voice actors of this fine game have been involved with uh 
First, I want to talk a little bit about The Curator, who is voiced by Pip Torrens. Uh, he is an English actor uh, that has appeared in a ton of stuff, especially British media. Uh, he was uh, Netherfield Butler in Pride and Prejudice. I'm only bringing that up because my mom is a huge Pride and Prejudice <laughs> fan, and if she ever listens to this podcast, she will appreciate that. Uh, he was the captain of the HMS uh, Bedford in Tomorrow Never Dies, the James Bond movie, and... He is Colonel Kaplan in The Force Awakens, uh, Star Wars A Force Awakens. He's mm. one of those people in the First Order that gets killed by the TIE fighter when Poe and Finn are trying to escape out of it early on in the movie. Um, in terms of video games, of course, he's the curator in all of the Dark Pictures anthology games. And he's the voice of Rodon of the Rodon Festival in Elden Ring. I don't know. Oh, uh, Dan? Adam does, though. Oh, I, I did not get to that part, so I don't know how he's pronounced. He's the he's the the massive dude who rides a tiny horse, and he's got the two big... He's like the dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. that guy. Oh, yeah. very cool, very cool. Uh, Andrew, of course, was portrayed by Will Poulter, uh, an actor known for his work in The Chronicles of Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, uh, <laughs> The Maze Runner movies, The Revenant, uh, Black Mirror, Bandersmatch, Midsommar... Uh, I know that's also not how it's pronounced. Uh, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is Adam Warlock. Um, he has not done any other video game roles outside of this. However, he did do, and I know this doesn't really count, but he did do the audiobook narration for the 2022 book Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Firewall, which oh. is one of the many Tom Clancy books that have been written post the death of Tom Clancy. Um John, the professor, the, the mature professor, uh, was portrayed by Alex uh, Ivanovici. Uh, I hope that's how his name is pronounced. Uh, he's a, a lesser known actor in the realm of movies and TV. Uh, he was a minor character in both 300 and X-Men Days of Future Past. Uh, however, I was shocked to discover he actually has a pretty uh, prolific resume of video game work. Uh, some of his biggest roles include his doc in Rainbow Six Siege. Uh, he hmm. is Bartolomeo Dalviciano, <laughs> uh, who is an ally of Ezio in the Assassin's Creed 2 series of games. Ah, of course, of course. Uh, he's uh, Talos Rucker, who's the lead of the Augmented Rights Coalition in Deus Ex Mankind Divided, one of the bigger NPCs in that game. And probably his biggest role, he is Cosmo the Space Dog in the video game Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Cosmo's um, fun in that game. Daniel, who's the other young male student, he's portrayed by Kyle Bailey, who is an actor that doesn't have a lot of credits to his name. Outside of Little Hope, he portrayed the character of Tristan in the TV show Heartland. That's the show about the horses. I don't know if either of you remember that <laughs> <Nope>. one. And he played young Sasha in the TV show Bitten, which I'm pretty sure is about vampires. That sounds like a vampire mm. or, a bug, or a bug show, one of the two. Uh, Angela, the female mature student, uh, was portrayed <laughs> by Ellen David. She is a Canadian actress oh. uh, known for her work in a lot of films and TV, including uh, the role of Angela in the movie <laughs> Mambo Italiano. <laughs> I saw that on a resume. I was like, this is not a relevant or important movie at all. But I wanted to I remember that from way back in the day. And so I wanted to just. Sneak it in here. Do you think that uh, it's the same character? Voice. Like, it's one of those things where she plays the same person in both? Same Angela? Ooh, wow. Is Mambo Italiano part of the Dark Pictures universe? Could does, she get her, does she get murdered in that movie? 
I don't know. <laughs> uh, she is the voice of Miss Martin on Caillou, the oh, okay. TV show about uh, a French child called Caillou. Is this easy French? I guess Caillou makes sense as yeah. for a French kid. Chad, I know and, you've never seen it. It's a dumb kid show, but Caillou is the most annoying character written in human history. Yeah, looking it annoying. up. And uh, this one I actually really appreciated. Uh, she was the voice of Bitsy Baxter uh, from 1996 to 2003. Bitsy Baxter is the mother of Buster in Arthur. Arthur. Oh, yeah. she's all over PBS. Look at her. Yeah. Make your money. You're right. I've uh, not ever seen Caillou, but I, I have seen the... I've not seen the show Caillou, but I have seen the character You've Caillou seen that four-year-old yeah. bald child before. Uh, in yes. fact, he looks yeah. like he belongs in the show Arthur. <laughs> he might be, yeah. Uh, the only other video game role that she has done is Yolanda Mendez in the original 2014 Watch Dogs. Uh, and finally, uh, Taylor, uh, who is the young female student, not the mature female student, <laughs> uh, was portrayed by Caitlin Sponheimer. Uh, she's an actress uh, that has done a fair bit of work in movies and TV, uh, including the role of Molly in the first season of The Boys. Do either of you remember Molly? I don't. Molly. I do love the boys. Molly I'll give you a hint. and the boys. She is only in one scene of season one of the boys in episode seven. Mm. I don't. I don't recognize her from it. No. So Molly is the character who basically uh, approaches the deep during his like self-incarceration in like that one weird commune oh yeah where she's her. like oh i i really love you i really love your gills and like really digs in there uh, she puts her hands in his gills yep, oh yep. gross that's yeah. right i lost uh, a lot of respect for her and in terms of <laughs> video games she portrayed the saxon dominatrix in assassin's creed valhalla i don't know who that is and the characters of juno audrey and lucy in outriders and okay. that is all good for her yeah, good for her. Make your money, kid. <laughs> well, that is uh that's it for our little discussion around Dark Pictures Pope and Lopen Scope. Um that uh we'll talk more about what we're playing for Barf for the next two months, November and December, on our regular podcast, because we're kind of in the middle of picking those. So tune into that to find out what we're playing next. And it is all around game of the year. <clears throat> With that, thanks everyone for listening. Um, we will see you on our regular show. If you're watching live here on twitch.tv slash idiots, we'll be coming back in like 10 minutes for your regular show. If you're not watching live, get the fuck out of your ears. Go play. Touch grass. <laughs>